Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm your host, a beggar named Brad. I was lost, but I found the bread of life, Yeshua of Nazareth, the promised Messiah. My hope is to reveal this bread to others that they may see what has been from the beginning. This episode, Back Where We Started. Shout out to British rockers The Kinks for the title to this episode, an incredibly influential band who got banned. That's right. The band was banned from the United States for four years. The Kinks was started by brothers Ray and Dave Davies. They had gone by the name The Ravens and then The Bo Weevils. Bo Weevil? You in trouble now? And then they switched to the kinks. They heard the word kinky on the TV show, The Avengers, and they liked it. So they switched their name to the kinks. As their popularity spread across the pond, they came to embark on a U.S. tour. Their ban from this country was largely as a result of offstage behaviors, which occasionally spilled on the stage. They were hard drinkers who got into many a fight while touring. One particular night, the band members ended up fighting each other on stage, which led to the arrest of their drummer. All of this led to inconsistent ticket sales, and Betty Kay, their promoter, couldn't pay them in cash as she had promised. This caused the band to perform incredibly short sets, leaving audiences feeling cheated. In one show, the crowd was treated to pretty much an uncomfortably long extended version of You Really Got Me. And that was the show. So at that time in history, in the mid-60s, music promoters could withhold work permits from musicians coming into the country based on negative behaviors. And that's what happened to the Kinks. For four of their best years, they couldn't come to America, you know, like Prince Akeem did. There's an episode of the show Endeavor where the Kinks' ban from America actually plays into helping Detective Morse solve a murder. Yeah, I like BBC cop shows. One of the great innovations of the Kinks that has influenced all modern rock and metal music is the development of the use of distortion with guitars. Looking for an edgier sound from his guitar, Dave Davies took a razor blade and a pin to the cone of his amplifiers. Welcome distortion. Now technology has made it so you don't have to cut up or pinhole your gear to get a grittier sound from your instruments. Well, it's not about the muddled sound or the music. It's about the message back where we started. Today, we're going to take a look at 1 John chapter 3. And if you've been keeping score at home, we're going through a complete study of the epistle of 1 John, which was written towards the end of the first century of the common era by the Apostle John to believers who had been dispersed from Jerusalem, both Jewish and Gentile followers of Yeshua who were gathering in house churches, primarily in Asia Minor. The Let It Shine episode provides more background, history, and context for this letter. You can give that a listen when you get time. In this letter, John makes a few references to what you have heard from the beginning. Hence the title to this episode, as he makes such a reference in this chapter. 
The underlying message being, no matter how far you get in your faith and understanding, you can never leave the foundational basics, what you have heard from the beginning. So John takes them back where they started. Let's read chapter 3 from 1 John and see what message the apostle is sending followers of the Master Yeshua the Messiah. 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. See what love the Father has lavished on us in letting us be called God's children. For that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it has not known him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and it has not been, not yet been made clear what we will become. We do know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he really is. And everyone who has this hope in him continues purifying himself since God is pure. Everyone who keeps sinning is violating Torah. Indeed, sin is violation of Torah. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins and that there is no sin in him. So no one who remains united with him continues sinning. Everyone who does continue sinning has neither seen him nor known him. Children, don't let anyone deceive you. It is the person that keeps on doing what is right who is righteous, just as God is righteous. The person who keeps on sinning is from the adversary, because from the very beginning, the adversary has kept on sinning. It was for this very reason that the Son of God appeared to destroy these doings of the adversary. No one who has God as his Father keeps on sinning, because the seed planted by God remains in him. That is, he cannot continue sinning because he has God as his Father. Here is how one can distinguish clearly between God's children and those of the adversary. Everyone who does not continue doing what is right is not from God. Likewise, anyone who fails to keep loving his brother is not from God. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love each other and not be like Cain, who was from the evil one and murdered his own brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Don't be amazed, brothers, if the world hates you. For we, for we, for our part, Know that we have passed from death to life because we keep loving the brothers. The person who fails to keep on loving is still under the power of death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. The way that we have come to know love is through his having laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If someone has worldly possessions and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how can he be loving God? Children, let us love not with words and talk, but with actions and in reality. Here is how we will know that we are from the truth and will set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts know something against us, 
God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts know nothing against us, we have confidence in approaching God. Then whatever we ask for, we receive from him because we are obeying his commands and doing things that please him. This is his command that we are to trust in the person and power of his son, Yeshua the Messiah, and to keep loving one another, just as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands remain united with him and he with them. Here is how we know that he remains united with us, by the Spirit whom he gave us. As we take a look at this chapter... I think we need to do something a a little bit different. Now, many times in the epistles and as we study scripture, we will see the word therefore, which alerts us to pay close attention to what was previously said to keep the context of what follows. We ask the question, what is the therefore, therefore? And then we go back. And so we latch on to whatever was previously said and we drag that through, if you will, the rest of what we're reading to keep the context so we understand the flow of what the writer is writing. In this case, I believe we need to take the last statement John makes in this portion of the letter and drag it back to the start of it. Verse 24 reads, Those who obey his commands remain united with him and he with them. Here is how we know that he remains, that he remains united with us by the spirit whom he gave us. So let's hold on to this thought and go back to the verse, the first verse of this chapter. See what love the father has lavished on us in letting us be called God's children, for that is what we are. Here's the proof. Those who obey his commands remain in him, remain united with him, and he with them. Here is how we know that he remains united with us, by the Spirit whom he gave us. So God has lavished his love on us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. He has lavished his love on us, letting us being called his children, for that is what we are, born again, born from above. And so by pulling the statement from the end of this chapter and dragging it through this entire portion of the letter as it is the verification of what John is declaring, we are the children of Elohim. The external evidence of this is the fruit that we obey his commands. The internal evidence is the witness of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father Hashem has given us. There are internal and external signs that we are children of the Most High God, born again, born from above. Then this portion of the letter continues and John adds, the reason the world does not know us is that it has not known him. The world may not recognize us as children of the Most High, El Elyon, because they don't know the Father. When we meet someone, a stranger, if we've never met their parents, 
we couldn't make a family connection. Oh, you must be so-and-so's son or so-and-so's daughter. We don't know the parents, so we can't initially know whose child they are. Also, the world does not have the Holy Spirit, so they don't have that internal witness. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who has met someone and instantly there was an inner witness that I was speaking with a brother or a sister. Could just tell immediately. The world doesn't know the Father and so they won't know us. Now, based on what John says a little further down in this letter, I don't think he is just talking about the people of the world simply recognizing us as the children of Hashem. The Hebrew understanding to know someone goes beyond an awareness of their existence. It speaks to a deeper, more intimate understanding of someone. You may have heard the statement, they knew each other in a biblical sense. And that was kind of a covert way of saying, well, the subjects of this statement have been intimate physically. They had sex. So when John says the world doesn't know us and doesn't know the Father, they're aware of our presence and even, our, even the existence of Hashem, but they are not intimately acquainted with either. In chapter 2, John wrote that the way we can be sure we know him, Yeshua, is if we are obeying his commands. Anyone who says, I know him, but isn't obeying his commands is a liar. The truth is not in him. So knowing goes beyond acknowledging or recognizing someone's existence. To know Hashem means one is, or to not know Hashem means one is not living in, in accord with his ways, his commands. To know him, one is walking in his way. The world may and should notice something different about us as we live according to the commands of Hashem. Our behaviors are not the same as people who are not yet children of God. Hopefully I made that clear, what it means to know. Because it goes beyond just an awareness of a person's existence and an awareness of the existence of Hashem. Deeper, more intimate. John goes on. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and it has not yet been made clear what we will become. We do know that when he, Messiah, appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he really is. And everyone who has this hope in him continues purifying himself since God is pure. As children of the Most High, which is confirmed by us obeying his commands and the witness of his spirit within us, we do not yet know what we will become at the resurrection when Yeshua returns. We will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye from what we are to what we will become. Right now we see dimly, but then we will see him face to face and we will be like him as we will finally see him as he really is. The whole creation groans with birth pangs, as it was, waiting for the revelation of the sons of Hashem. Everyone who has this hope, 
God's children all have this hope, the hope to become as he is. So all who have this hope continue to purify themselves because Hashem is pure. The child of God who has this tremendous hope as the anchor of his soul continues daily in purifying himself, walking in the light and allowing the light of the Holy One, blessed be he, to illuminate any darkness, sin in us, that we may confess it, repent of it, and allow Hashem to eradicate it from us. The purifying process, cleansing us in preparation for what we will become, readying us for the coming kingdom, Olam Haba, the world which is to come. Now John is going to let us know how to identify those who are not God's children. Everyone who keeps sinning is violating Torah. They do not obey the commands of Hashem and do not have the internal witness of the Ruach HaKodesh. John clarifies, indeed, sin is violation of Torah. That's how sin is defined. You know that he, Yeshua, appeared in order to take away sins and that there is no sin in him. Yeshua was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So no one who remains united with him continues sinning. Everyone who does continue sinning has neither seen him nor known him. As previously discussed, John made it clear in the first chapter that it is possible for believers in Yeshua to whom this letter is written. It is possible for them to sin. When we confess our sin, Hashem is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us all unrighteousness. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua, the Zadik, the Righteous One. What does the Apostle mean that no one who sins remains in Messiah? So this is where the understanding, uh, where understanding some of the original language is really helpful. Because some translations say that anyone in Christ doesn't sin and, and so forth. And so the implication being that if you are a Christian, it's impossible for you to sin. Nothing you do can be defined as sin because you said a prayer or took the sacraments or have a proper doctrine or theology. In my understanding, that is in no way a proper biblical interpretation John just defines sin as violating the Torah. The definition does not change because you declare your allegiance to Yeshua. In fact, the depth and gravity of the definition should resonate sharper and louder within us. Knowing the price that has been paid, the atoning sacrifice that was made through our Master and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. So no one who remains united with him, the Messiah, continues sinning. Everyone who does continue sinning has neither seen him nor known him. The Greek word where this translation says sinning and others simply say sin, the Greek word is hamartanon, hamartanon. 
And it is a present tense verb as the action is occurring or continuing to occur, which is why this translation uses the phrase continues sinning to bring that full, the fullness of that thought together. There's a distinction throughout scripture between unwittingly violating Torah and wittingly or willfully violating Torah. To sin out of ignorance or to sin out of intention, which is to know the commands of Hashem and knowingly violate Torah. Willful sin. John is saying that as a child of the Most High, who remains united with Yeshua, obeys the Torah, the commands of Hashem, and has the witness of the Spirit which the Father gave, does not continue to willingly, knowingly violate the Torah. As John previously stated, we cannot say that we know Yeshua and live in that manner, willful sin. Children of the Most High are purifying themselves for what they will become, purifying ourselves, that continuing process. Verse 7, children, do not let anyone deceive you. It is the person that keeps on doing what is right who is righteous, just as God is righteous. Where does it sound like John falls on the faith versus works debate? The beloved disciple of Yeshua stands exactly where the master Yeshua stands. It is faith and works motivated by love, our love for Hashem and our love for our neighbors. Even as the brother of the master, Jacob, wrote, faith without works is dead. The person who keeps on doing what is right is righteous. Nowhere is it written in the scriptures, if you have the correct doctrine or statement of faith or belief system or theology, you are now righteous. John goes on. The person who keeps on sinning is from the adversary because from the very beginning, the adversary has kept on sinning. It was for this very reason that the Son of God appeared to destroy these doings of the adversary. No one who has God as his father keeps on sinning because the seed planted by God remains in him. That is, he cannot continue sinning because he has God as his father. Here is how one can distinguish clearly between God's children and those of the adversary. Everyone who does not continue doing what is right is not from God. Once more, dragging that evidence from the end of this chapter, back up from verse uh, 24, those who obey his commands remain united with him and he with them. This is how we know that he remains united with us by the spirit whom he gave us. All right, now the second half of verse 10. Likewise, anyone who fails to keep loving his brother is not from God. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love each other and not be like Cain, who was from the evil one and murdered his own brother. Why did he murder, murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brother's 
were righteous. So we see a graphic image of hatred towards a brother. The example of Cain and Abel. And John is saying that we are supposed to love our brothers. Once more, John is talking about what has had been heard from the beginning, back where we started. In chapter 2, he referred to the identity of Messiah Yeshua of Nazareth as what these believers had heard from the beginning. Recognizing, acknowledging, and knowing Messiah Yeshua, which we defined what it means to know him. Now, John goes further back to the Torah from Leviticus, talking about what you have heard from the beginning. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Anyone who does not practice righteousness and or fails to love his brother is not from God. John then adds, don't be amazed, brothers, if the world hates you. Earlier, he stated that the world doesn't know you because it doesn't know the Father, which we clarified what it means to know him. And now he says, don't be amazed if the world hates you. Now make the connection here. I believe we're supposed to make the connection with Cain and Abel and what he said what he said about them. Why did Cain hate Abel? Because his actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. So when people engage in evil activities and they see us engaging, children of God, engaging in righteous activities, they will hate us. So John's drawing a comparison here. The children of El Elyon, God Most High, are to love our neighbors as ourselves, loving our brothers and sisters. Anyone who fails to do so, which translations use, uh, some translations use the word hate instead of fail to love, fails to, fails to love. Anyone who hates his brother is not from God. John then says, but don't you be surprised if the world hates you. So in the recipe for hate episode, we went a little bit deeper into the definition of hate according to a Hebrew understanding. And it does not always carry with it this intense, extreme negative emotion as we associate with it today. To hate someone is the opposite of loving them. And so at the basic level, how do we love our neighbors, love our brothers and sisters? It is making sure their needs are met, that they have food, shelter, and clothing, etc. That's the most basic way we love our brothers and sisters. The Father provides for his body through his body, for the body of Messiah. He provides and, and for our brothers and sisters through us. We are to care for one another and love one another. If one fails to love a brother or sister in this way, that means they hate their brother or sister and are not from God. We cannot be shocked when the world withholds from us, hates us, because they don't know, they don't obey the Father. So they don't know us intimately either. Picking up in verse 14, we, for our part, know that we have passed from death 
to life because we keep loving the brothers. This is a sign of new life in Messiah to those who are born of God. The person who fails to keep on loving is still under the power of death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. John is dropping the knowledge that the master Yeshua brought to light in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeshua did not cancel the Torah. He brought the deeper truth. Murder isn't just the physical act of taking the life of another person through evil intent. If one withholds love, withholding what could meet the needs of another, that is hate toward them. And such a one is a murderer. Well, that seems harsh, Brad. Those are the words of Yeshua. Why is that tantamount to murder? Because without those basic necessities, one cannot live. Therefore, to withhold those things from someone is taking the life of one created in the image and likeness of God. And no murderer has eternal life in him. Uh, may God have mercy. We had better check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Moving forward, verse 16. The way we have come to know love is through his, Yeshua's, having laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If you recall, this was the new command, which we discussed in the episode, It's the End of the World as We Know It. The new command, which was not new as in a newly created command, but it was new to the hearers of it, bringing the fullness of the understanding of what it means to love our neighbors. Verse 17 If someone has worldly possessions and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how can he be loving God? Children, let us love not with words and talk, but with actions and in reality. The command to love our neighbors as ourselves ties directly to the greatest command, love Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God, with all our heart, soul, and might. No one can say they love God and withhold from their brothers and sisters. They are murderers, and murderers do not have eternal life. Verse 19, Here is how we will know that we are from the truth and will set our hearts at rest in his presence if our hearts know something against us, which is to say, if our hearts condemn us. God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us or know something against us, we have confidence in approaching God. Then, whatever we ask for, we receive from him because we are obeying his commands and doing the things that please him. As a child of the Most High, if our heart condemns us, which is more than conviction of sin. The Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, will convict, will counsel, and will comfort us. Condemnation 
goes deeper than that. This is causing one to believe they have no portion or have lost their portion in the coming kingdom. We must remember that, as Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things. Buying this condemnation from the heart could lead one to give up on their walk of faith. Hashem is greater than our hearts. God's mercy and grace exceed our understanding. Hallelujah. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation comes from the adversary. If our hearts do not condemn us, meaning we walk in the knowledge of the truth of Hashem, knowing His loving kindness and compassion and His desire for repentance, we walk in the light, which is allowing Him to reveal things in our lives that, that we, for which we can repent, we confess, and, and there is atonement through Yeshua, the Messiah, the atoning sacrifice. So, if our hearts do not condemn us in, in that way, we have confidence in approaching God. Then, whatever we ask for, we receive from Him, because we are obeying His commands and doing the things that please Him. And I'll just say, you know, I shouldn't have to say this, but I will. No, no. This does not mean when we obey God that he becomes our personal vending machine. Grow up. That's not what this is saying at all. Keep it in its context, what he's saying here. We have confidence in approaching God. Then whatever we ask for, we receive from him. This whole section is talking about repentance. When the light of Hashem reveals things to us, if our hearts start to condemn us, Adonai Elohim is greater than our hearts, and we can receive that forgiveness from him through his compassion, through his mercy and his grace. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're asking for. When we come before him, we have confidence in approaching God because we have confidence. We know the price that was paid, the atoning sacrifice through the Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth. Verses 23 and 24. This is his command, that we are to trust in the person and power of his son, Yeshua the Messiah, and to keep loving one another, just as he commanded us. Obeying the commands of Hashem includes, of course, loving Adonai Elohim with all our heart, soul, and might, loving our neighbors as ourselves, which are the commands upon which all the Torah and prophets hang, as Yeshua described and explained. These commands, as well as the command to trust in the promised one, Yeshua. And so where is that? Where is that command? Is that a new command? So this command, as all the commands of Hashem, originate in the Torah. Deuteronomy 18 and verse 15. Adonai will raise up for you a prophet like me, that's Moses speaking, Adonai will raise up for you a prophet like me from among yourselves, from your own kinsmen. You are to pay attention to him. And then verses 18 and 19, I will raise up for them a prophet 
like you from among their kinsmen. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I order him. Whoever doesn't listen to my words, which he will speak in my name, will have to account for himself to me. So this prophecy revealed to John, Jacob or James, and Peter at the Mount of Transfiguration. We read there in Deuteronomy of the promised one, and then what we see in Matthew chapter 17. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them. This is again on the Mount of Transfiguration. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And there is the fulfilling of that Deuteronomy 18 prophecy, the command to listen to him, to his son. And of course, listening means obeying. It is to hear and to heed, following the master Yeshua, the Messiah. All right, and back where we started. Verse 24, those who obey his commands remain united with him and he with them. Here is how we know that he remains united with us by the spirit whom he gave us. I hope that this has blessed you and challenged you. Please study to show yourself approved of God. To keep moving forward, we must go back where we started, the foundation of our faith. We can never leave the foundation. No other foundation can be laid than that which is already laid, the Master, Yeshua the Messiah. There's a lost and dying world that needs to know God not just about him. They need to know him. They need the bread of life, Yeshua of Nazareth. So let's go out and give him heaven. And until next time, may the favor, the Zadik, the righteous one, the master, Yeshua the Messiah, earned in the eyes of Hashem, may that favor be upon you and all your household. And the peace of God reign in your hearts and minds in the Messiah, Yeshua. Grace and peace. Chain Shalom.